Welcome to the Context Machine, episode number 601. Seems like just yesterday we were doing episode 600. I'm Brian Chaffin. And I'm Jeff Gamet. Um, ironically, it was not just yesterday, but uh, it was recently. That's it was, for sure. yep. Yeah. It was, hey, uh, it was less recently than when I actually posted it. Go, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay, despite the fact that we can record a show and it can take literally days before Brian actually posts it, still go visit us at uh, at our webpage, contextmachine.io. And were you done? Jeff? Yeah, I'm so done. Excellent. You can also, you can reach us, basically. You can use contextmachine.io to contact us. You can contact us. On Twitter, unless you're using TweetBot. <laughs> I'm sorry. At Continue. Context Machine. Uh, I don't think we are on. I don't think we're on post yet. Have you checked? We are not. We never got the. We never got uh, an email confirming that uh, we're in. Have uh, they must know who we are? They might well know. Who, yeah, we still don't have. Gosh darn it! That's so annoying. Uh, right, but we are on like one of the mastodons. I, I apparently you have to go to one of the mastodons and then oh like my do a god get off my lawn and do no, a wait. search. I should get off your lawn. No, you don't. You just go to you just go to whatever whatever mastodon. Just go to mastodon and then search for context machine. I would love to provide a link to it, but you can't really do that. Why not? Because. <laughs> Do you want me to? Okay, I would love to specify a link, but that, but but vocally specifying a link is almost useless. Go and check out our show notes. There's been a link to uh, to the Context Machine Mastodon account. I still for... think it's completely ridiculous, man. That there should uh, not be multiple instances. Uh, Siri says that she's sorry. She completely agrees with me. But uh, there should not be multiple instances of Mastodon. It's just stupid. I at at this point I disagree and uh, and when when we have the long history of uh, of IRC to show us that distributed uh, networking for communication can be very robust and uh, and can have longevity and then we see what's happening with social networks today that are controlled through a single point um, I'm having a hard time considering a distributed social network system at this point, uh, a bad thing. Hmm. I hear you. I understand. I where accept your apology. I understand where you're coming from. I just think that Mastodon's a mess. I still accept your apology. <laughs> uh, let's see. We have a sort of an apology. Not really an apology, but John Vestal pointed something out. Did he point out that our sponsor is LinkedIn Jobs? No, he didn't, which I think was very rude of him not to do. Oh, wait. I know. No, I'm sorry. That we're was, so, we were so disappointed. Well, let me check the notes here. Oh, I was supposed to do that. Or no, you were supposed to do it. Anyway, I'm going to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs later in the show. We, of course, appreciate them sponsoring us. Uh, but on the Facebook group, Context Machine. Another one of fa Brian's favorite social media networks. <laughs> Uh, and I essentially only use it for the context machine at this point. But uh, anyway, John pointed out something pretty uh, important about our discussion about the uh, weather apps that we did on the last show. And he was totally right to call us out. Uh, Brian, what, what did he call us out on? I, I think he said that uh, uh, Apple is, a, is effectively discontinuing the uh, dark sky weather API that some other weather apps were using to get their weather data, including carrot. And uh, let, okay. So we didn't talk about this on the last show, uh, honestly, because I was just so wrapped up in all the other elements we were talking about with, uh, with weather apps. And, uh, and as I recall, my frustration with Apple in general and weather apps completely forgot to talk about the weather servers. So 
yes, we should give people clarification of what's happening. So here's the deal. When Apple bought Dark Sky, they, uh, they, they got all the assets, which includes the, uh, the whole system that Dark Sky uses for, uh, for weather data collection uh, distribution. And, uh, and so that was rolled in as part of the back end for Apple's weather app. And that is at the core of WeatherKit. So from Apple darks from Apple. So dark sky as an option that you can choose for your weather data source in carrot today, that will disappear. When that happens, just choose Apple. And now you're still getting the same data. So, so calling us out was totally correct because I should have mentioned that. And there's a lot of people that probably don't realize that, uh, that when the dark sky option disappears, it's disappearing in icon only as far as carrots concerned, just, just pick Apple weather and it, and it will be using weather kit, which is using the dark sky data sources. That makes sense. And that's good that uh, that's I, I so I, I had the wrong impression about what was going on, and I thought that carrot was going to be have to switch. It. I, I get it now, and that's uh, not calamitous for carrot, which is good. Right, and the fact that you were concerned and didn't understand exactly how it was working, um, that sets you up to to be every man in this situation or every person. So thank right. you for playing that role. Right, I was if just you didn't know. There's a okay. lot of people that don't know. So uh, by calling us out on not bringing it up, and uh, and now talking about it. Um, hopefully, we're all doing a service for uh, for Carrot and and other weather app u- weather apps in general users, so that they know what their options really mean to, when the but, dark sky option disappears. But to be fair, there's a lot I mean, of things I don't pay attention to anymore. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, we had a uh, right. There's something that Twitter appears not to be paying attention to. Their business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, reality, logic, uh, philosophical consistency. Uh, yeah. You know, little things like uh, little things like that. But just in the last couple of days, there's been an issue where some of the Twitter apps, the third party apps like uh, Tweetbot, which is what I use. And I think Twitterific. Yes, it's it's actually more widespread than than what it sounds like from what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I don't. Again, I don't part, pay attention. All right. Well, then, um, and okay, everyone, just so you know, Brian's playing straight man, so that <laughs> it looks like I'm smart. So, thank you for doing that, Brian. I do appreciate it. Sure. Um, okay. So, as we record, it's been about 24 hours since uh, most people's third party Twitter clients stopped working. And there, there was there was no warning. It was just it just stopped, and uh, and here we are about twenty four hours later, and there's still no word from Twitter on what happened. The API isn't working, and uh, and for uh, normal people that just want to post on social media, what that means is that the system that Twitter has in place so that third party applications can hook in and uh, and act as an interface for for the service. That whole thing is broken. So uh, that means that, like me, a Tweetbot user, uh, I I don't have access to Twitter unless I go to the Twitter website or install Twitter's own application. And Twitter's Um, own app uh, sucks balls and not in the fun way, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. I do know there's a lot of people that love it. um, Sure, of course. And. Yeah, I, um, I do use it on iOS. I don't like it on the Mac, and I do the vast majority of my Twitter consumption because, as anyone who follows me know, I I don't really post a lot at Geektails, uh, but um, I do most of that on my Mac. Yeah, and for me, it's it's a mix. Uh, sure. So. Yeah, for, for me, since I'm not a fan of the Twitter app and I really don't want to use the web interface, uh, that means that as of the, the moment the API shut down, 
until something changes and I get access again through my third party apps, I guess I'm done with Twitter. Yeah, uh, because, same, uh, same. And, and the, the, this is to me, this is an important, um, an important philosophical point that you just you just open the door. Do you mind if I step through it? Uh, please, I'm holding the door open for you. <laughs> Excellent. I like consuming Twitter with Tweetbot. I've tried multiple apps over the years. And Tweetbot is the one that works the best for my brain, Mm -hmm. right? We are all different. Some people are going to like the website. Some people think of Twitter as a website. I think of Twitter as an app, but some people think of Twitter as a website. Some people are going to like iOS. Some people are going to like uh, Twitterific or uh, Twitter's own app or whatever. Some Mm -hmm. people are going to consume it on their Mac. Some people are going to consume it on their mobile devices. The, The thing is... I tried Twitter's own software, i.e. the website and uh, um, the, the, the Twitter app, and I found it wanting. And Twitter needs to allow me to use their services the way that I want. You know, uh, do you want to hold that door open for me? I do. I walk me, through? Hold on. Let me step. Okay. I got my foot. Go. Go. Thank you. Okay. So, Brian, thank you for holding that door open for me. What a lot of people are missing is that it's not just about what is my personal preference for how I want to post on on Twitter. This is about businesses that got kneecapped without any warning. Think about all of the the companies out there that rely on uh, posting content to Twitter and uh, using it as uh, as a communication platform with their customers, and they're using tools like like Hootsuite or Zoho Social, which also are going to be having the same problem. Yeah. So all these companies that have all of this stuff that's automated, like in many cases, it's it's content that's planned out weeks in advance, and it's it's just loaded into their database for you know for whatever social management platform they're using and then it just pushes out the content when it needs to go out and uh, and when you're someone that's doing social media management for a company you don't do that in individual apps for each platform you have a, a unified interface where you're controlling everything for all the platforms that you're on this tweet that's still now work, broken which twitter owns yeah uh, tweet deck works. So, uh, you know, so that's an option, but what if you have everything that you do in Hootsuite? Right. It's not just a matter of, I log into tweet deck. Um, but then also tweet deck, that's not going to let me post to, uh, to Facebook and Instagram right. and, uh, and all of these other platforms. That's, that is a, a Twitter specific thing. Whereas something like Hootsuite and, uh, and, the, the other one I'm remembering right now is Zoho Social. There's a bunch out there. They they handle multiple social media networks. So, yeah, this screwed a lot of people horribly unprofessional and, uh, and just a downright crappy move all the it, way around. And it remains to be seen. Like, we, what we don't know is if this is incompetence or, de, you know, deliberate, myopic, willful um, uh, arrogance. And I, I say that because when Jack Dorsey was still in charge, Twitter didn't want us using third-party apps. Twitter wanted us using their website so that they could show us ads. Which, right. But at least they let us know when they were getting ready to change something. Well, and they ended up backing off from that somewhat. They did. But the, but they were transparent about what was happening. It was yeah, like, why, we why were not? shutting this thing off. Okay, we're turning it back on. What, yeah. Why? But why, why? When it came to that, why not simply require the third-party apps to show the ads? That's a really good question. I I didn't understand. This is years ago. This is many years ago where this was a thing, and I kind of got off my you know Don Quixote horse windmill tilting uh, uh, setup on this particular issue because Twitter did kind of back off from it, but I never understood why they just didn't simply require 
use of the API to include showing us their their ads, making us the product. And be, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, as, because of that, it is certainly a possibility, even though Elon Musk, uh, the current owner, is a different person from Jack Dorsey, mostly. It is possible that that Elon decided that he didn't want these third party apps. And so he's just, you know, screwing them over. And screwing us over, screwing. I mean, you know, it's uh, it is it is not out of the realm of possibility that this was a deliberate action and that the company still hasn't communicated on it. Uh, yes, and the fact that they haven't communicated, regardless of the reason why this happened, this is really bad, and this this is not going to do anything to help improve trust in elon's twitter and and my guess is that what's going to happen like i said regardless of the reason why the api is not working they're going to lose more advertisers oh yeah Uh, for sure for sure on the advertisers and Uh, another thing on the advertisers yeah chaffin's razor yeah um if we're miss if, if if something just seems too crazy to make sense we're missing an important piece of information i think chaffin's razor comes into play with the reason why there are no inline ads in third-party twitter apps okay and that that could be a limitation in the way twitter developed their platform so it for yeah, they, whatever reason, for, it can't push it out, or it might have something to do with licensing terms for uh, apps like on on the Google Play Store and Apple's App Store. Oh, that's I'm, possible. But if I mean, if it was a thing that could be done, why would they not have done it? Yeah, why would they not have? Why would they not have done it? And this is uh, the whole thing is frustrating, to say the least. And it, uh, I, I have not been consumed. I have, well, I haven't been consuming any Twitter. I well, I did do, I did a spaces and uh, spaces on AI art and uh, Chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the the NFT projects that I love, uh, Fairy Tale Dreams by uh, Kezia. Uh, did I show that one to you? You did not. Uh, I'm going to send you a link. We'll include a link in the show notes. I'm sending you a link right now. Have us, have us thumb through that. I love this project. I own uh, four of these. She actually just gave me a fourth one because, uh, she, you know, she's awesome. And, but Uh I, but three of them I own, uh, before that. And I have two of the characters. I like, I look at these, at these characters that she's made and I named them and, uh, I've got, two of them that are that are twins uh the brat and the sleeve and i've got a fairy tale that i've been working on explaining the serial killer nature of the of the sleeve <laughs> um that at some point i will finish and post but she uh who has embraced uh, ai generated art in all its forms so far was has been really excited about chat gpt so she asked all of us who had uh, one of her NFTs to to use a prompt template that she gave us to make a story about our NFT character. So anyway, yeah, we did it. That's cool. We did a space uh, or a spaces. I never know how to refer to a singular one because I think it should actually be a spaces uh, because it is Twitter spaces. Then that makes sense. A spaces, a spaces. So uh, we did a Twitter. She did a Twitter spaces on uh, for these stories where we read our stories and it was super fun. And Twitter, if you're going to speak on a spaces, you actually have to use one of the mobile apps. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so I did do Twitter for that just in the last couple of, since this outage actually, because it was yesterday. Uh, but other than that, I'm really, I really I haven't been doing Twitter because I can't get to it the way I want to. So, oh, yeah. Hey, check this out. What if do you, you saw the bit where Twitter was asking employees to work from home <laughs> because they yes. haven't been paying rent, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is LOL ironic considering Elon was insisting that everybody come into the office. Is that actually uh-huh. true? Do we know that they actually ask people to 
to work from home or is that just a thing that took off? Um, I don't know firsthand if that's true. Twitter really ask workers to work from home. Let's see if that returns anything. Um, it's November, March and yeah, not seeing, not seeing anything new. I don't know if it's actually true, but if it is true, what if this outage was because they can't get to the resources they need in an office to fix it? Well, that's totally plausible. Completely um, plausible. It's, I, I think it, um, that the people that would know how to fix this were fired. That is also completely, completely uh, plausible. Yeah, I'm not sure if they even have an API team anymore. I, I, I remember reading somewhere about the entire API team being fired. So, if, if so, and this is uh, not an intentional thing, this plays into my hypothesis that the way Twitter will die is uh, not with a massive implosion, but with the slow crumbling of its infrastructure. And things will continue to break, and they can't fix them. And eventually, it's just too broken, and that's that. Yep. That is completely plausible. (laughs) It is completely plausible. At which point, you should uh, check out Post. I really like Post. Yeah, check us out on Mastodon. (laughs) I'm really liking Mastodon. Uh, here's, Here's the thing. You know why, Jeff, I, like this, sort of the central reason, well, no, maybe you don't know this one. You know that I'm a teetotaler, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you know that one of the reasons why I'm a teetotaler is essentially I believe that I'm, uh, uh, that I have a very addictive personality and that if having avoided... Uh, childhood and adolescent and young adult temptations regarding alcohol and drugs, both that I decided as an adult that I might as well stick with it because I was able to avoid all those temptations. And I still believe that I'm an addictive, have an addictive personality. You've heard me talk about that. Yes. Okay. And Brian, um, I don't think I've ever said that, uh, that that's actually a really strong thing. And that takes, that takes uh, a lot of self-awareness and and inner strength to be able to say, I think this would be a problem for me. Therefore, I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. So thank you on you. Well, I've always been able to eschew infinitely more easily than I abstain. Excuse me, abstain than I do uh, uh, moderate. That's what I'm trying to say. There we go. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but there's an there there are many other reasons and you know like involving my rather complicated and baggage laden personality. One of the things is that I I and this affected me when I was younger. Like I would read these stories where all these rock legends in particular, these, you know, these fantastic rock musicians that the, whose art I loved where their accomplishments and their, their, uh, 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 you know, trials or their failures would often be attributed to drugs and or alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I didn't like, if, if I was able to create great music, I didn't want that attributed to drugs and or alcohol. Okay. That was, that was, that's totally fair. And one of the many things that sort of fed this, this, you know, decades long lifelong decision that I have heretofore made about, um, drugs and alcohol. Well, enter chat GPT where we were, you know, having the chat, Oh my God, you started playing with chat GPT and now you're drinking all the time, aren't you? (laughs) No, I don't want, if I'm able to create, to write something really good, I don't want that attributed to, to, uh, you know, machine learning or or an AI engine. Okay. And that has me not wanting to use chat GPT lest I be lest someone decide to say that. Now, that of course is a 
very like based on a very the very arrogant premise that I that I could write something that's that's good, but um in it, the but I did it for this one. I did it because Kezia uh, asked us to, uh, to you know to go through this 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 exercise. This has to be the most epic setup for. Hey, have you played with Chat GPT yet? I tried it the other day. I did. I did. Yeah, I did try. It. And I don't. I don't want. It, it was fun. It was interesting. Uh, uh, she, she had made a template that basically tied back to her greater world, and so when all of us used the template, it essentially like was pulling from some of the same uh, the, the 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 same elements involving the mm-hmm. fairy tale dreams world that she has created and that she is essentially creating with us, which is to me really, really interesting. And I really like that. And playing with this stuff was fun. The writing wasn't all that great, but it, but some of it was certainly good and fine. Um, uh, but it, it may, it, 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 using it uh, is what put me uh, on the path of like, you know what? I don't think I want to use this again. Because I don't want anyone saying that uh, that some story that I created, like if I if if I write crap or I write good stuff, I want the blame and credit to go to me. That's reasonable. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's reasonable. It's actually I, pretty cuckoo. Uh, I don't. I and, and the thing is, I don't. I don't expect anyone else to go down this same path. These I am not a luddite. Like like I I I have heard since I've been in the NFT world uh, um, in particular, I, and and these these AI art engines have have risen up. Many people have have been saying like you know this is fake. It's not art. It's not real. It's bad. It's going to put artists out of the whatever. Like the same crap that the luddite said about looms. The same crap that people said about Photoshop, about Illustrator, about computers. Mm-hmm. Right about radio, about television. Uh, yes, um, it, th- this is just another change. It is going to change things. It does democratize the creation of art, the, in particular the art engines or the Chat GPT for that matter. It, it democratizes um, the ability to create something that doesn't suck. And I get why some people find that threatening. But it's not going to change the desire for uh, at least some people to enjoy art created by people. It's going to be fine. I'm totally with you. Um, so when when you said that you just don't want to have the potential for anything that you're creating to be uh, attributed to to AI, I totally get it, and I'm coming at it from from. Uh, the the writing side but more like uh like business writing as opposed to creative writing um i i don't think it's a secret that um at least it shouldn't be that i write content for other companies yeah. you know the, the kind of stuff that they need that their marketing team just isn't uh, uh suited for or doesn't have the time for and uh, and i have seen so much content that's out there that's obviously written by AI systems. I even see ads, uh, like in Facebook, for um, for these these platforms where you feed in the parameters for what you need for like a blog post, and then it just AI creates one. And uh, and I've seen so much of this content that, and it's it's it just all feels the same. It's it's flat. It's styrofoam. It's bland. And it's it's weird. It's like uncanny valley, and um, and a lot of the articles that I'm reading on websites now, I just I can't get through because it's obvious people didn't write this stuff. So, uh, you know, for me, when I'm writing content for companies, I will not use AI to assist me with that because uh, to me, it's, it just goes against what I want, which is to make a quality product for someone. And I'm seeing so much content out there that, that I feel just straight up sucks. I don't want to be part of that. Now that said, I do play with chat GPT because it's fascinating and I'll feed it, uh, uh, different things just to, to see what it says. I asked it uh, to write a bio for me. You know, like you, you go to a conference 
and you're speaking and they have a bio for you on the web page. So I asked it to write a short bio for me just to see what it would do. Mm -hmm. It came out really well. It's wrong, (laughs) but it's also close enough that, that I could probably submit it. Well, uh, and like, if you had trained it well enough on who you are, it probably would have eventually been correct. Yeah, and I mean it's, but it's so close to correct. Like it talks about about uh, about working for the Mac Observer, and it has, I think it had the managing editor part right, but it, but I'm also like a co-founder and the vice president of something else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I like a senior editor for Macworld. Uh, it's, you know, they're, they're, uh, and to be clear, I've actually never written for Macworld ever. Hmm. Um, but there's, there's enough stuff in there that's close enough to, to correct and enough stuff that's familiar enough that it's plausible or believable. Yeah. Anyhow, it's fascinating what I'm seeing it create, and uh, and boy, I would never rely on anything it's doing right now as fact. Yeah, that's fair, and I think it's also fair to point out that some of the, at the very least, some of the kinds of companies that currently employ you to write content. Mm-hmm will be at the point where they are in f- instead using chat GPT or its successors to do that instead of hiring a human. That's, um, that's yeah. inevitable. Yeah. And, uh, and while I could wail and, uh, and rend my hair and gnash my teeth mm-hmm. concerned that, uh, that technology is going to put me out of business the way I see it, it's going to just shift what it is that I'm focusing on and writing because there will always be things, at least in my lifetime, where the the computer systems will not be able to do what, what uh, people actually need. And so there'll be a need for someone like me to write that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah probably, probably. Um, um. And, and it, you know, this is mainly going to be, I think, a thing where companies that couldn't afford you, mm-hmm. it'll start there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and for those companies, that's, I, I get it. And, uh, and I certainly don't hold a grudge. I mean, if you can't, if you can't afford to create the content that you need, either yourself or by hiring someone like me then you still need your content. So how do you make that happen? And these tools, I think one of them is like, like Jarvis or something. Um, But anyhow, services like that, I mean, there's a place for them, but uh, at at least where they are today, I don't see them as a true replacement for people like, like me. No, not, not yet, but it's coming. And, and I, I, I believe it's inevitable, and I believe that complaining about it is pointless. I, I've always had a philosophical beef with the Luddites. I've always had like, – because their whole thing was other people shouldn't be able to use looms so that we can continue to make a living with our skills. I mm-hmm. – I re- it's it's – Oftentimes today, a Luddite is merely someone who like doesn't like new technologies or maybe, you know, sticks to older technologies. For instance, writing with paper and pen instead of writing on a computer, for instance, someone might call that person a Luddite. But that's not what the Luddites were about. What the Luddites were about was smashing the looms because they wanted to continue to make a living hand weaving because they they couldn't compete with the looms, and I, I I have no respect for that sort of philosophy. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, and yeah, it's we we've seen it through history over and over, and uh, and yes, there there's a weird transition phase as the the new technologies become uh, uh, more refined and better uh, adopted and. Uh, 
and trusted. And then it'll be on to the next thing that, that, uh, that people are ready to throw their sabot into. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, the, uh, right. The, the, again, this stuff is inevitable. We will, ev- we will eventually, and not that long from now, we will have AI written movies. Then we will have AI generated movies and we will have AI created, directed and generated and, and written movies. And we're going to have more AI art. We're going to have AI novels. We're going to have AI poetry. We're going to have, um, um, you know, AI news articles. We're going to have entire news organizations where all of the content is generated by uh, by AIs in some way. And then eventually we'll have AIs deciding what content gets created with those news organizations, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not saying that all of these changes will necessarily be good. And I'm not saying that, that there aren't going to be people who are hurt and displaced by these capabilities gaining momentum. But I am saying that it's inevitable and uh, that, that there is no point at all in, 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 in hiding your hand, head in the sand and saying that this just shouldn't be because it's going to happen. In, instead of hiding your head in the sand, figuratively speaking, uh, because if you did it in real life, you'd suffocate and die. Please don't do that. Um, oh, right. I sidetracked myself concerned about people sticking their head in the sand. Um, focus on what it is that, that you see as problems in that system and work to be part of the solution. Yes. Yes. For sure, I like that. That's that's solid. That's solid. Yeah. Okay. We weren't planning on talking about any of that, by the way. No, we weren't. But when have we ever let scripts dictate what we do? This is an excellent point. Uh, however, let me uh, let me sheen off uh, and talk about our sponsor this week. What do you say? So here's the deal: LinkedIn Jobs is a way for you to find the right candidate for the positions that you have open. Have you, have you seen Jeff? Let me, let me, let me take a little tangent. Have you seen like any of the TikToks or Instagram reels, which is where I watch these things um, where uh, like, it, it'll be like 1972, you know, getting a job. What's your name? Okay. You're hired. <laughs> you know, like comp- comparing the hiring process yeah. today, the hiring process of, of, of old. And, and those of course are obviously hyperbolic and intended for humor, but it's at the same time, it is harder to hire today. And LinkedIn jobs can help with that. It, uh, it lets you manage your job posts, but it also lets you manage the potential candidates that you have for those job posts. And it helps you prioritize those candidates too. Uh, the LinkedIn jobs process will ask your potential candidates some screening questions to again help you prioritize the right people and all of these things can have a radically effective improvement on your ability to hire people and the speed with which you can hire people and the difficulty or lack thereof you might have in hiring people it's a brand new year it's important to start the year off right it's important to get the right team member in to get that year off to the to, to the right start. And it's probably why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. There's 875 million member profiles in LinkedIn jobs or LinkedIn as a whole, right? Which is amazing. They've got this uh, 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 pr- uh, uh, banner that, they, that you can put on your profile that lets people know that you're hiring. That can help you. All kinds of tools in LinkedIn jobs to help you find the right people for the right job and do it well. And here's the thing. Here's the beautiful thing. They're sponsoring the show. They will help you find that qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. They will post and you can. I'm going to say this right. You can post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash ACM. That's LinkedIn.com slash ACM to post your job for free just because you're listening to us. Terms and conditions apply, and we appreciate them sponsoring the show. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff, 
right. I have, you know how I use the show sometimes to have you like, you know, walk me through something or teach me something or like otherwise do my homework for me. All right. So, uh, welcome to, uh, to Jeff's personal service for Brian to do everything. Brian, what can I do for you today? Okay, here's the thing. You told me you switched to Mint. Mint Mobile. I did. Mint Mobile for my cell service provider. Right. Yeah. And I've been with AT&T since, uh, since Singular bought AT&T and then changed its name to AT&T. I was with AT&T ever since the original iPhone came out because I had to switch from my carrier voice stream to singular, uh, which, uh, uh, vo- let's see. Voice stream was bought by T-Mobile. Yeah. But, but you could originally only get, you could only get, uh, the iPhone on singular at first. Yeah. Well, by, by the time the iPhone actually shipped, the singular purchase had been completed. So it was just AT&T at that uh, point. I, they hadn't actually changed uh, their name yet. Because Singular changed its name to AT&T. Singular bought AT&T and then changed its name to AT&T. That's which is, I, I think we kind of forget that in the hazy shade of, of winter. But um, the uh, uh, it was still Singular when the iPhone was actually released. Interesting. All right. Well, does, uh, it, does anybody remember better than me? Memory and time. I think are I'm remembering funny. better than you. I, I think I that think you were not. When it was announced, it was singular, and by the time the iPhone shipped, several months later, the name change was AT and T. Nope. No way. Come on, listeners, All let right. us know. Let us know who's correct on this. I'm. I am positive that it was still singular when the iPhone was released, and that the the AT and T purchase happened or completed after that. I. Uh, I preemptively accept your apology. <laughs> so anyhow, the, the point is we have both been AT&T customers for a super long time. And I have a real problem with inertia, right? There- I can appreciate that. The, the, Brian, the thing is, the, the way inertia works in humans is that you are not inclined to change something until it creates a pain point that's, that's so bad that you are compelled to make a change. And the longer I'm with a, t- a particular company or device or technology, the, 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 the worse that pain point has to get before I will make a move. Well, the, the pain point for me, when I decided to start shopping around and seeing if there really was a better option for me than AT&T was when I was looking at how much money it was costing me every month for my plan. And, uh, and I didn't have anything, you know, like over the top extravagant. Um, it was like, I don't know, five gigs, 10 gigs of data sure. a month. And, uh, and anyhow, so my plan, uh, was costing me 90 something dollars a month. Yeah. Mine's like 125. And, yeah. And, uh, and, and I, and I wasn't getting anything special for that. And for a while I was, I was, telling myself, well, look, I get HBO Max as part of this deal. That's worth a lot right there. Um, and uh, But eventually, you know, I'm looking at how much money I'm spending every month on my phone bill. And, uh, and, and I genuinely started wondering, am I paying more than I need to pay for this service? And, uh, and a bunch of people had told me, you know, Mint Mobile's working great for me. You should try it out. So, uh, so finally, I decided to go ahead and make the the jump and and uh, sign up for a three month plan. And uh, and AT and T is so smart. Um, when I called them because I had to get uh, um, a uh, like an unlock code to authorize the the phone number transfer to uh, to Mint Mobile. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they didn't like strong army trying to convince me to stay. What they did instead was said, Hey, just so you know, we've, we've got this welcome back program so that if you decide you don't like this other service, um, you have X number of days to, uh, to come back and we just turn everything back on exactly the way it was. It's like you never left. And the uh, time frame was one day less than the three month period 
for uh, that Mint Mobile trial. Hmm. Absolutely brilliant. So, uh, um, anyhow, so I I did the switch, and uh, and we are days away from the end of my first three months. Yeah, what are you gonna and, do? Um, actually a couple days ago, I went into the mobile app, uh, on my iPhone, the mint mobile app. and the mint mobile app. And there's, there's a place in there where you can look and see which plan you have and what payment schedule you're on. And, uh, they, they do the whole, uh, pay in advance program. So you, so I paid for three months in advance and, uh, and I changed it to an annual contract cause that's where you get the best prices sure. so you pay for a whole month at once so in a few days it's going to auto renew as uh, uh an annual contract so basically i'm paying i don't know like 215 dollars, something like that for 12 months of service that gets me everything that i had with at&t except i don't have hbo max anymore and uh, it, so what it comes down to is it takes like uh um, two months to uh, to to start making back what I was paying by being an AT and T customer, and that's two hundred and fifteen dollars for the next twelve months, and you already got three months for was the trial free? Uh, no. When I signed up, they weren't doing a free trial thing. They they are doing a thing right now where if um um. Uh, I give someone a referral code, they get three months for free, and I get a hundred dollars credit towards my uh, my uh, uh, phone bill. Yeah. So, and you can do four of those a year. So, if you get like four people to sign up with your referral code codes, it's, it's almost basically two years. two years of service for free. Yeah, yeah. Not, not quite. Wow. But, all right, but close enough. All right. Here's yeah. the thing, though. So, uh, is Mint Mobile? Is that one of the MVB? What do they call those? MVNO and they run on the T-Mobile network. So MVNO. Mobile Virtual Network Operator. Mobile Virtual Network Operator. So they're not running their own towers, they're not running their own fiber anywhere. Correct. And they're on so the they T-Mobile network infrastructure. Yeah, and well they, and, they they're uh, paying someone else for that infrastructure. Yes, they are. And the, so the way this works um, I've actually encountered a lot of people that just really don't understand what's going on there. And I get it. Why would you, um, if it's not something you've needed to, to learn before? So what happens, these MVNOs, these virtual providers, they go in and buy big blocks from uh, from the big three carriers, AT&T, uh, Verizon, or in the case of uh, Mint Mobile, from T-Mobile. And, uh, and that's great for the carriers because the big carriers, because they're making these big blocks of money all at once for these services. And a lot of that is what goes to, uh, to, uh, keeping infrastructure and stuff running. Yeah. T-Mobile has, has bandwidth and they have like a bandwidth is probably not the right word. They have, uh, capacity that they don't use and that's why they're selling it. Well, that's part of it, um, but part of it is also because they can make a lot of money, even selling as as a discount, by selling these massive blocks all at once. Um, so even if if they were in a position where they had all of this infrastructure that was that was being used at the levels they expected all the time these companies would still do it because this is a huge moneymaker. Well, they have to have the capacity to sell. And yeah, and, and they do right now. So great. Um, yeah. So I have service that it, it, I have 5g service that is at least as good as what I had with AT&T. Um, and that, that is going to be different depending on where you are. And and obviously everything we're talking about is us centric. But it's going to depend uh, yeah. on where you are in the U.S. as to whether or not that would be the case. Yes. And uh, and I actually did a bunch of testing ahead of time to, to figure out if I was going to have issues. And part of that testing included uh, uh, going around with friends that have phones on T-Mobile 
so we could compare mm. signal strengths and, and coverage just all over the places that I go to all the time. Yes, this is the level of detail that I go to when I'm looking at uh, at something like this. Well, thank you. Again, that's uh, why I that's that's why I ask you to partner with me on the show. But go ahead, please. <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> Anyhow, so um, for me, the coverage that I that I was going to get, the service I was going to get, was comparable to what I had with AT and T for a fraction of the cost. Sure, I don't have HBO Max, but if I decide at some point I want to pay for HBO Max, you're still coming out ahead. I'm still coming out ahead. Yeah, so I ha- I have great five uh, G coverage. Um, everything works as it should. I did the thing where, uh, since I have an iPhone 12 pro, I didn't need SIM in this. Sure. And, uh, and so Brian, if, if you decide, and, and honestly, at this point, I'm totally pitching at you. You should, because, uh, unless T-Mobile coverage where you are is really bad. Um, but you'll be happy in the end. Um, as long as you have coverage, but anyhow. So um, when I did the transfer, um, I signed up and uh, and chose to do an eSIM. You don't cancel your current cell service provider until after you're active on Mint Mobile, because you need you need to to be active, otherwise you lose your phone number. And um, and Wait, so, so did you me, have to handle that through AT and T, or did did Mint Mobile handle all that for you? Um, the short answer is yes. The, the longer answer is mint mobile. They have the whole part that they do. What I have to do is, is fill in a, a short, uh, form on the, the mint mobile website where, you know, it's, it's just my personal information, but then there's also a place where you put in this authorization code that, um, that, uh, it's like a short-term code that your current provider generates sure. that uh, that the um, the new carrier needs to submit as part of the transfer request. So how did you generate and, that? So well, I did it wrong at first because because I misunderstood the instructions. This is a place where you actually need to read what you're doing. Oh well, and uh, and I I'm out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> learn from Go my ahead, mistake. Please. Please go ahead. So, so I misread it, and I thought that the 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 code number that uh, that I needed to put into this Mint Mobile form was this other authorization code that I have for for AT and T uh, uh, verification. So I put that in, and it didn't work, which immediately flags m- your account Yikes. as someone trying to steal your number. Sure. At which point you can't try again through any, uh, you know, just the regular systems. So I ended up having to call AT and T and explain what happened, and uh, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we, we know exactly what happened, and uh, and here's why." While while it was frustrating, I actually appreciated it because if someone else had tried to do that. Right, it would have immediately locked down my my account, right. so they wouldn't be able to proper security message. Um, yeah, it was place. proper security. Yeah, and the and the only reason I had this kind of pain in the ass part was because of something I did, and it wasn't that bad anyhow. So they they uh, uh, took the flag off, so it could it could work, and and they're like and uh, and. Instead of you having to go and uh, and go back through this other web form and regenerate a code, uh, we're emailing you your authorization code. So, so they even just went ahead and took care of getting me that code instead of making me go do it. Went back and uh, and at this point, I had to have Mint Mobile support involved because the uh, you know the the whole thing was just kind of frozen in place because of the lockdown and their support people were fantastic. It was all done over text message mm. or through, you know, in their, in their web interface. Yeah. And they were fantastic. And they're, and they're like, yep, we know exactly what's wrong. Um, we will fix it on our end. Give us the code. I did. And then they're like, okay, so um, uh, it'll probably take about 10 or 15 minutes and you'll, you'll see that uh, you have two services running. And by the time they're done with the sentence, it was already active. Okay. And uh, yeah. Uh, 
That said, I'm which that's good. I have no doubt that some of the people listening to this are like, mm-hmm. oh, that just sounds too complicated. Well, okay. So what Mint Mobile did, and this 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 part this problem is on me because I hadn't read fully. Um, they have step by step instructions on their website. When you go to sign up, what carrier do you have? Okay, click that, and then it takes you to the instructions for that carrier. Go here once you log into your account and go to, go to this specific link and they actually give you the link right right in the instructions and uh and then click this button to request your authorization code and you do that and then you've got your authorization code now copy it and paste it in the form you're done so if you follow the instructions the time it takes from deciding yeah i'm going to try mint mobile to the time that you can actually have phone calls happening on your phone it's like 10 minutes and uh and there is a short window after that happens where you you have dual phone numbers because they because they activate your account and wait for the for the number to switch over, but they don't stop you from using your account while you're waiting for your real number to show up. So you have a temporary phone number and, uh, and then when the phone number transfers over, there's nothing for you to do. The temporary number goes away and your real number works. But if you've made phone calls with a temporary number and, uh, and someone, needs to call you back and they use that it will now just auto forward to your real number no okay. so it's not like you have this window where you're kind of screwed sure. with, with uh having phone calls that just how long is isolated. this window it depends on the systems and uh and to the best of um, your understanding what's the range of this window it can, it can take a couple days i wasn't paying close attention i think it took half an hour got it it was it was a surprisingly short window. So anyhow, you know, with an eSIM, I didn't have to wait for a SIM to show up in the mail. It just worked, and uh, and then once the whole transfer was done, and I knew it was all working, and I knew my phone number had had ported over from AT and T. At that point, then I then I uh, canceled AT and T, uh, and and then popped the SIM out of my phone, and that was that. Well, so I'm I'm paying one twenty five a month. Okay, so seven so, weeks, seven weeks of paying for whatever it is you're getting a year at a time would put the rest of the the other forty five weeks a year is essentially free for me. So I am paying for the ten gig a month plan, and uh, and that includes five G coverage, unlimited talk and text. Uh, and um, that's twenty dollars a month because I'm paying for a year at once. Right. And uh, they do a four gig a month plan and a fifteen gig a month plan and an unlimited plan. The unlimited that's still just thirty dollars a month. So really, the only difference between the plans is how much cellular data you have a month. Right. And, and I have far more than you... I need because I don't go anywhere or do anything. Yeah, there you Al- go. Although Comcast was out, the, 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 the weather that we've had here in the Bay Area knocked Comcast it's out. It's been crazy. Yeah, crazy for us, yeah. Uh, and knocked uh, Comcast out for um, most of the day, and I did actually need my mobile my mobile bandwidth then, but that's like such an irregular thing. How about international coverage? Can you do like, it was so when I went to England in October, it was so easy to add international uh, calling. Like, you know, Dave had walked me through uh, buying, uh, basically buying a, you know, an an eSIM of data from an international provider. And he walked me through that, but it was actually so easy to just do it through AT&T so that I didn't have to switch anything I ended up doing it through AT&T. Can you do that with uh, Mint Mobile? Do you know? I mean, yes, I, like, I've gone um, to England once in the last 56 years. <laughs> that's a start. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
Um, yeah, they. You can just go into the web app or go to the web page. Excuse me, web app. You go to their mobile app or go to the web page <laughs> the program, and uh, and then you can uh, pick from uh, international packages. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, but if you're doing an eSIM, and you have a, a phone that does dual eSIMs, or you or you have an empty SIM slot, you can also just grab a SIM when you get where you're going and and put it in your phone. Right. What I'm saying is that it was so easy to buy a package from eight from AT and T. It was just so it was so freaking easy that I ended up you know that was absolutely the path of least resistance, and so I ended up doing it. But the rest of the stuff, I, I mean, I'm paying a lot of money, and I need to not now. The I, 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 ironic thing, and I mentioned that Dave walked me through buying an international package before we sold TMO. He kept wanting me to move to mobile. I never did. Now that I'm paying for it myself, now I, I suddenly find myself motivated. I see. It has to be a real pain point for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the, the way the, okay. So with mint, since you're paying in advance, you're also paying in advance for, uh, for your international stuff. Um, and so what you do is you, you go to the website of the app and then you, you, you just add some money for international. And, uh, and if you need more, just add some more. It's like super easy. Fair enough. And, All right. And, so listen, uh, and I think can, even <laughs> will you include, no, go ahead. <laughs> will you include your, uh, uh, referral code, your referral URL in the show notes? We're not, this is not a, uh, a paid spot. We have not, uh, we've, we, the Mint mobile is not as, a sponsor of the show. And they have sponsored other uh, shows that backbeat media handles the advertising for, but they've mm-hmm. never sponsored with us. And uh, this is not any kind of paid uh, placement, but if I'm going to switch, I'm going to use your referral code. I, a, I want the three months free and I'm happy to, you know, have you get a hundred dollar credit too. Um, yeah. See, it's circle of life. Everyone takes care of everyone. All right. So I just checked because I didn't bother to check ahead of, of the show. Um, so the way this works is uh, when I go to uh, give someone the code, it's actually generated when um, I send it to them. So people are going to have to let me know they want a, they want a referral. And then and then it will be generated and sent to them. All right. So how so about in the show notes, on the page. you put an, you put a note saying, um, it, uh, contact, you know, contact Jeff, if you want his referral code for Mint mobile and, there and include like a link to, to, to Twitter or like, you know, you could, you could like describe the version right. of Mastodon that they're supposed to go to and then do a search mm-hmm. and try to so, find you and then I ask. Love- but what I love about this is that, uh, like, you know, five years from now, when people are like, you remember Twitter? And they're saying it on Mastodon all the time. <laughs> and uh, and you'll be using Mastodon, but you'll still be talking about it exactly the way you uh, are today. I, I, will still, I will still be complaining, that's for sure. Here's the other best thing about that. You knew where I was going. You knew that I was, I totally I was using all of that for a setup to, to, to crap on Mastodon again. I, you know, I love that we can have a, a show that, um, that leads every path to <laughs> you paths. crapping on Mastodon. All paths lead to uh, Mastodon. And that's Mastodon with and without the vowels. That's right. <laughs> just, if you're on Mastodon, just search for Jay Gamut. Yeah, or, or Geektails. You'll find me, but I'm, I'm not active there. Details. Yeah, you'll find Brian's account. You won't find him. Uh, is, do we have a Do we have a context machine account there? We do. Are you posting like new shows sometimes? <laughs> well, I, after after uh, yesterday's Twitter API debacle, uh-huh. um, now now I have my pain point that is incentivizing me, and I'll make sure that that we have stuff on our Mastodon context machine account on a regular basis. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll be sure and search for context machine somewhere on Mastodon later. Maybe see what that is. That'll be swell. That will be swell. And, and, 
And I'll know when you do it because I'll be able to feel right through the uh, the uh, studio glass, uh-huh. the cold anger of you <laughs> sitting there going, damn it. It just found it. It just, uh, it just you, found it. You just gave me an edit. I hate you. I hate wow, you. I think that's the first edit I've given you. Uh, is it written now? I don't think it's the first edit you've given me. We've been doing this show a long time. I was thinking about that uh, before we started recording. Uh, it, it did the point being that wait, I didn't drop an f bomb. No, use the d word though. That's that's one of the seven words. I don't think we need to edit for that. Okay, I'm going to live dangerously. I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I, I think you're okay. I think if I dropped an s bomb or an f bomb, then um, yeah, then an edit might be appropriate. Okay. Or or. So everybody, if you'd like, beep, you can you can pretend you, you can, can time shift that, that. In where you want it. Yeah, you yeah, can just, just time, time shift, shift that time shift that where you want it. Okay, we are well, well over an hour. I'm glad we had a fourth topic just in case. You know, as as you were throwing topic ideas out, and I was writing them down, I was laughing on the inside, <laughs> and uh, and no kidding, as we were talking. Um, I added chat GPT to the topics list okay. because I'm like, oh, well, I guess apparently we're doing this now. <laughs> uh, right. And now we're doing this. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's the show. That's the show. <laughs> LinkedIn jobs sponsored us. We, re- we appreciate that very, very much. If you have anything to add, comment on or question, you can, again, the Mastodon thing or whatever. I don't know. Contextmachine.io. We're there. Uh, our bandwidth provided by Cashfly. The basis by Boom recorded just for the show. Doctor Boom, Doctor Boom, Doctor Boom recorded just for the show. And uh, Jeff, that's that's it for this week, man. We're that's that's it. That was awesome. Yeah. And uh, and once again, I'll preemptively accept your apology for whatever it is. Mm-hmm.